0: Welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to talk about pre-emerge wheat herbicides, and believe it or not, here we are—the tail end of February—and guys are pretty excited about planting some small grains up here in March. So we're going to talk about getting those pres out there, what your choices are, what you should be looking for for your farm. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at eight four four. 44 Ag PhD or by email radio at agphd.com. All right, Brian, pre-emerge weed herbicides is our topic today. And I wouldn't say there's been a whole lot of change in this market, but I would say there's a lot of guys that don't use pre-emerge herbicides that are interested in, hey, I, I might try that this year. Where would I use them and which one should I use? So uh, it does help to go over even the products that have been out for a while.
1: Yeah, there aren't a lot of choices, and you're correct. They have been out for quite a while. The newest one would be Zidua, or you could go with Anthem Flex. That's got the active ingredient from Zidua. That's a group 15. And Anthem Flex also has AIM in it. AIM is just a burn down product, no residual. The opposite is true for Zidua no burn down, only residual. So it's kind of a unique product that we're talking about here to not have any burndown activity because if you look at the other two main pre's for wheat, prepare and sharpen, they both have real good burn down activity. But anyway, we really like getting that group 15 out there for farmers who don't normally use group 15. So let's just say you don't have corn in the rotation at all. You're probably not using a harness, surpass, dual, outlook or anything like that. So then this turns out great because we love rotating modes of action. If you're not used to using a group 15, I think you'll have pretty good luck and it will kill a lot of ALS and ACCase resistant grasses.
0: You know, the resistant weeds are a real challenge, and we get questions about those things all the time. What about this weed, and what about that weed, and what are my options, and and here's what I'm doing with crop rotation, and it's not enough. And uh, some of these pre's, like the Zidua component there, brings a different mode of action. We don't have Group 15s in wheat, and a, a lot of guys who are in continuous cereal production have never used a Group 15. So that does offer an opportunity. I know we've had a lot of good comments about Italian ryegrass, for example, and just the length of control into the season with those group, with this Group 15 has been pretty nice too.
1: Yeah, the big thing, though, is you have to have rain to make it work. So This year looks like it could be an early spring and that's great. The reason why I like it is if you can get out there early and spray your group 15, I don't care what crop you're in, but if you can get that group 15 or quite frankly, any residual out early, then it gives it more time to get rain or even snow. Snow actually will activate a herbicide quite well, but either way, we've got to have some rain to get it into the ground, get it into the weed and get it going. But early season weed control is a key for any grass crop, whether it's corn or like in this case, today we're talking wheat, any small grain, any, any grass crop. It's really important to stop grass species very early in the year because they rob a lot of water and nutrients and ultimately yield. And it might not seem like much because you go, well, the weeds aren't big and there aren't that many out there. But if you see them, they hurt your yield. I'll promise
2: you.
0: You know, when you think about grass control, prepare is a pretty economical choice. We do hear some folks using Olympus, Brian, and we don't talk about that one very much. Uh, Talk about Olympus just a little bit and, and I I mean, obviously a great post-emerge herbicide. Uh, Why do you like to save it for that and, and save it for just certain rotations?
1: Well, with both Olympus and Outrider, they just have a lot of residual. Outrider is even more so, and Outrider is a little bit better on cheatgrass or downy brome than Olympus is, but either way, I just get really worried about crop rotation. That's my whole concern. Now, if you're continuous wheat, who cares? You can use whatever you want because you're going right back to wheat, but for most people, that just doesn't work with either Olympus or Outrider. Now, PowerFlex is a little bit better. It doesn't have quite as long a residual, and it doesn't have quite the carryover or the rotational restriction limitations that you're going to find with Olympus and Outrider. One other quick thing I should mention too, Outrider was originally called Maverick when Monsanto owned it, and then it got changed eventually to Outrider. Well, there's a new product called Maverick out from Valent. It's a three-mode-of-action corn herbicide, so please don't get confused by that. They are two completely different products.
0: Yeah, that, uh, that new Maverick might not work out so good for you if you put that on the wrong field. I mean, great in the corn, but uh, <laughs> not, not so good in the small grain <laughs> rotation. Uh, you know, and a lot of this okay, stuff. I oh, to, go ahead.
1: oh, I was just going to say, you mentioned prepare and I didn't get a chance to say something about that. It is really economical. It's even cheaper than ever this year. It's like three or four dollars an acre. And I love it because it has burned down and residual. It's just, unfortunately, it's an ALS herbicide. So it's not going to kill your ALS resistant kochia, or water hemp, or palmer, or anything like that, but for winter annuals, for a lot of grasses, and hey, prepare even has some activity on some brome species, so I like prepare, but then the other one that we got to talk about is sharpen, because it's the only great, I would call it, broadleaf herbicide that there is as a pre in front of wheat, so if you do have a major kochia problem, or some other broadleaf, use sharpen it'll burn it down it'll leave your residual use a couple ounces the only drawback is it's around 10 bucks an acre
0: yeah there are some choices here and with these pre's uh like you had mentioned the the aim in anthem flex the sharpen prepare i mean there there's burn down activity there too you could definitely mix that with roundup or something else to burn down weeds that are up. There's a lot of good choices here. And then the great thing about wheat is you do get a pretty decent canopy relatively quick and crop canopy is awfully nice to keep those fields relatively weed free the rest of the season. So we love starting out in all crops as much as we can with a pre-emerge herbicide to take out those weeds and allow us to get off to a great start and have an exceptional stand. Uh, we'll talk more about pre-emerge herbicides in wheat on today's program. We'll also be taking your phone calls at 844 44 agphd and your questions by email radio at agphd.com in the agphd mailbag coming up as we get time. But we'll talk about pre-emerge wheat herbicides coming up right after this.
5: Officer Jones calling for backup.
6: Send four. Location?
5: Kraber back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer amaranth,
7: kochia, some common water hemp.
6: Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending Tough 5EC. Come out with your hands up!
7: Guys,
8: we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com.
5: Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgium Crop Protection. Maverick Corn Herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of growers' success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us. Take it from agronomy manager Nate Honek.
7: We've seen tremendous weed control that was sprayed in dry, hot conditions with uh, very little rain within two weeks after application. Very easy application. Definitely tank mixed well with the various products we used.
5: Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio and talking about pre-emerge wheat herbicides. And there are some good choices here to take out many of the tough weeds that we really have a hard time with in crop. If you can knock them out with a pre Uh, you can sleep so much better at night knowing I probably am not going to have to worry about very many of those types of weeds later on. So if you haven't used a pre before, we're going to talk through some of the options that are out there. And if you are already using a pre in your rotation, that's great. Uh, You may consider mixing more than one in here to broaden the spectrum of weeds that you get under control. So we'll talk about all those things on today's show. And of course, we'll keep our phone lines open at 844 44 AG PhD. Got Chris Metter down with with Valent uh coming up next here. Uh Chris, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. I, I need That'd a drink
0: here. I need I need a little bit of water like some of these prees do to get working out in the soil. Uh okay, That's Chris. Around. Talk to us about what happens down in your t- territory. Now you're covering Texas, New Mexico, kind of a, a little way south from where we're at and um, what are conditions like right now? What do you look at uh, heading into the spring?
2: Well, um, you know, it's, it's plenty warm down here compared to what you guys have been dealing with. But uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to visit with you a little bit about a couple of options that, that we have uh, in, in pre emerged wheat herbicides. And uh, one of those options is Thiercy C Z which is a, a combination of flumioxazin and pyroxasulfone. So you've got two modes of action there that give you uh, uh, the help of uh, resistance management. But, but you get a lot of um, small-seeded broadleaf control as well as uh, annual grass control.
0: You know, the grasses are a big thing, and we, we started talking about that, how having a, a grass herbicide out there is usually one of the things – most wheat growers are looking for. The, the grass weeds can be tough to fight. But the small-seeded broadleaves, a lot of them start pretty early in the season, can get thick and can really make it tough to to get a good stand established. Uh, I, I know on soybeans we talk about those small-seeded broadleaves as a primary focus, but on wheat, uh, I know for us in our geography, koshas become a real big one. Certainly the pigweed species, lambs quarters, there's just a number of tough weeds. And then you've got all those winter annual weeds too.
2: That's right. Yeah, and, and fierce is, is real good on a lot of those uh, s- species. Um, the the annual grass control uh, for the cool season grasses, especially, is, is real good uh, with fierce going out uh, pre. I'm a big fan of the fall burn down scenario. I know that's uh, it's a, it's a lot more common down here where we're at, simply because of the nature of we're we're mostly winter wheat down here. I think you guys have a lot of spring wheat. Um, but you get a lot of the, of the cool season grass control uh, as well as, as things like the, uh, um, some of the more common uh, small seeded broadleaves.
0: know when you think about getting that wheat crop off to a good start if we can can knock out that first flush of weeds that's good and of course both the products that are or both the active ingredients in fear CZ would have pretty nice residual stretching out into the season for for growers who haven't used a pre and aren't used to that residual control a lot of times they got to hustle it up Chris and get out there pretty early in the season with that first pass Uh, what do you feel in your geography it normally buys you Does it buy you three weeks Weeks, four weeks after planting, before you really have to start coming back with those for that first pass of herbicide.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with uh, four weeks in in the springtime. Um, when we do the the fall burn down, you know your microbial degradation isn't nearly as active in the in the winter time, so you can get a little longer control over the over the winter months, but. When you come out in the spring, uh, three to four months, uh, three to four weeks is a is a good uh, estimate for that.
0: You know, it really does help too. You've got just a little bit more growth on the crop at that point. A lot of guys want to put a fungicide out at that application too when they're coming back, and it just makes that timing work out pretty nicely. And you never know; you might even have a few insects out there that you could knock out all with one pass. Uh, just by using a pre and buying yourself a little more time. The other thing is the spring is so busy. And if you're putting out spring wheat, uh, there are just a lot of other jobs that you're trying to get done. Chances are it's not the only crop you're raising and you're trying to get that planted too. That pre-emerge herbicide buys you time when my dad always said this. He he talked about Brian and me working, Chris, as as his boys, and we were worth $5 an hour at that time in his mind. And he figured his time, even back in the 80s when we were growing up, was worth at least $100 an hour during planting because he would always say, well, look, if my planting gets pushed back a few Few days that generally hurts me in yield that changes the timing of when the heat's gonna hit that crop. I could lose, you know, even more on some years than others. So, but if you buy yourself some time at planting, it's really valuable.
2: That's exactly right. And and um, being able to go out, depending on where you're at with with uh, I mean, in the country with fierce, uh, you can go out uh, pre as early as 14 days prior to planting. Uh, Always refer to the label obviously as to which states are are included in that, but you can get out there, uh, get planted soon there after the application and and get your uh, weed control going early in the season.
0: Now, when we look at cost, it really doesn't take, you, you'd you say, wow, you got two modes of action, there. it's got to be super expensive. It, it's really not. And when you look at what the price of wheat is, even today, it doesn't take very many bushels to make that difference. What do you normally figure the return on investment is using pre's? And I, I realize it varies depending on the weed pressure and the types of weeds out in fields, but I know in other crops and corn and soybeans and, and other crops that we grow, uh, it, it's a pretty nice return on investment often a four or five to one
2: well I, I really can't speak to a dollar value uh, in, in from my side of the business in research and, and development but uh, there you, we've all seen fields that that are impacted by weeds and the lack of weed control and how significantly that can reduce your yield and so if you can get out there and, and get control of those things early uh, ever every day that they're not being uh, pressured by, or compete, competing with another uh, plant beside them, that there's that much more yield potential that you're gonna that you're gonna realize.
0: And in a product like Fierce Easy, you got two different modes of action. you got a Group 15 and you got a PPO. Uh, Talk to us just a little bit. You mentioned the fall application, and I think that's a great strategy in dry country where you're at and and certainly where a lot of wheat is grown, giving more time to get some moisture on that, uh, whether it's rain or snow. Uh, For growers getting it out this spring, how far ahead of planting would you like to be, and, and what does your label require that you need to be utilizing a pre like Fierce?
2: Well, in, in most cases, uh, just generally speaking with fierce, um, most areas of the country are gonna require at least 30 days prior to plant with a six ounce rate. If you're going out with a burn down rate, that's a little higher then, then uh, you have to wait 60 days. But in, generally speaking in most areas of the, of the country, 30 days is, is what you've got to wait prior to planting.
0: Yeah, it's important to whatever product you're going to use, especially if you're using something different than what you've done in the past. Uh, If you haven't been using a pre, make sure you check those labels for your area and talk to your agronomist about uh, what's working the best for them in your area with your weather conditions and so forth. So you do things right, right from the beginning. been talking with Chris Meder right now with Valent. Chris, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Talking pre-emerge herbicides for wheat, and there are some options for you, whether broad leaves are your big concern, grasses are your big concern, uh, or both – uh, you can certainly uh, like we were just talking about a two mode of action product you can find products like that out there uh, otherwise you can find some some straight products and do some tank mixing yourself obviously these products can mix with roundup if you've got a burn down need and you could do like chris was suggesting do some fall treatment get residual herbicides out there knock out some of those winter annual type weeds that are often a problem in wheat and then you could also mix in some pretty tough uh, ingredients like a, like a 2,4-D for example to give you some extra boost when you're doing a fall treatment for spring seeded wheat. So just a few things to think about. There's lots of different strategies that a grower could use. Uh, so we'll talk about a few more coming up right after this break. Uh, also later in the show here we're going to get into some of your emails we had a number of emails coming in already radio at agphd.com if you have a question you'd like us to answer or of course you can give us a call 844-44-AGPHD stay tuned if you look
8: close enough you can see the hidden potential within your fields that's why an agroliquid nutrition plan starts with the crop and identifies the precise combination of primary nutrients while focusing on the support of secondary and micronutrients. So every nutrient is working in harmony for your crop to reach its full potential, maximizing growth while offering lower use rates. Apply less, expect more? Precisely. Find an agroliquid dealer at agroliquid.com.
9: Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven
0: protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com.
4: Every season, you're collecting yield data on virtually every acre of your farm. But what good is your data if you never use it? Put it to work with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on crop removal. Ensuring your crops get what they need, right where they need it, no matter what equipment you run. Go to Verify.com to find an expert to help you get started. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot
0: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. We're talking wheat today and specifically pre-emerge wheat herbicides. We're also taking your calls and questions at 844 44 Ag PhD. Uh, I got Drew shoots with us right now with FMC. We'll talk just a little bit about that. How you doing, Drew?
6: Good. How are you?
0: Well, pretty good. Uh, we've had a few questions coming in on these pre-emerge herbicides, and a lot of them have to do with, I want to get some burn down in addition to getting that pre-out at the same time. Is that possible? Uh, talk to us a little bit about your offer, Anthem Flex, and, and what you think about the guys trying to, to burn stuff down at the same time.
6: Well, with Anthem Flex, you got a little bit of that aim in there, along with your Pyrox cell phone, or as FMC calls it, Anthem. Uh, it's it's just been a great way for guys in the fall whether they want to go to winter wheat and do like a delayed post emerge they can they can put that down you know a few days after they plant they can get a little bit of burn down with that aim and then get that residual activated through the fall and going into winter to set themselves up nicely for for springtime then the flip side is the guys that want to Put that out, they give them a little burn down in the fall, and they can ensure that they have that, that anthem activated by the time that weeds come in the spring. So, that's, that's probably the, the two main points that, that I like to focus on uh, with the Anthem Flex product.
0: Yeah, and you know, for for everybody listening, uh, you're thinking, ah, oh, that's probably easy. Drew probably works somewhere they get lots of rain. I will assure you, Drew covers some ground that doesn't get a whole lot of rainfall. And you know, that's usually where we see guys say, "Oh, I don't know if I can use a pre, Drew. We just don't get that much rain." But you're talking about some strategies here to make it work, uh, really, even in those low rainfall environments.
6: Yeah, I you know I live in Pierre. Darren, and I have guys from, I cover two-thirds of South Dakota. I have guys all the way out to the western border, uh, northern South Dakota, southern South Dakota, out west, and and for the most part, you can pretty much count on getting an inch of moisture between snow or rain from early to mid-fall before the ground freezes so it gets tied up into the soil all the way through spring.
0: You know, one thing, too, that we get questions on, Drew, and, you, and you've got a great product here, Anthem Flex, to, to use as an example, is photodegradation. So we get a lot of guys that say, well, I'm no-till. I want to leave stuff on the surface. Uh, how long is it going to survive out there, or is the sun going to break it down?
6: That's a that's a great question. I get asked that a lot. That's a big concern. The cool thing with Pyroxys cell phone, the Anthem brands, is – that molecule will lay on the soil and it'll stay there until it gets activated. So if you happen to put it on in the fall and you have zero moisture or snow until April 1st and then you get an inch of rain, it'll be activated.
0: Alright, one thing that I that I like and I think gets undersold on the group 15s is the small-seeded broadleaf activity that these products have got. Uh, so obviously you hear a lot about kochia. There are some choices out there that guys have of which route to take. Uh, what's been a good recipe for you to knock out and and get farther into the season before you maybe have another little flush come through?
6: You know, I would say getting that and if you want to talk about just Anthem Flex or Pyroxysulfone in general, you're looking to target kochia. I mean, if you go out and look in fields, I started getting pictures the other day, and it's February 27th today. They were finding little fuzzy kochias sprouting ready. So if, if you really want to get the most out of that Anthem Flex herbicide and have somewhat of a chance to, I would say you're going to get suppression, on kochia, so getting that out there in the fall and activated, hopefully through winter, ground starts to warm up in the spring, at least you're setting yourself up for getting it suppressed early on. That way, you can get out what you need to get out in the spring, and the cool thing about Anthem Flex, if you're planning to plant, just say, spring wheat or whatever the case is, you still have the flexibility to go to soybeans, corn, sunflowers, whatever, whatever your geography allows for.
0: Yeah, having that flexibility is a pretty nice thing too. And and when you look at guys who wheat is a big part of their rotation, putting that group 15 out there has just been a really nice way to get a different mode of action that they're not normally seeing in their rotations to try and knock out some of those tough weeds. So when you do rotate back to some of those other crops, you don't have quite so much weed pressure to deal with. Um uh, I guess uh, other things that you would say, Drew. You got a lot of guys in your territory that haven't used a pre before. What are some of the reasons why guys start using pre?s What what kind of puts them over that tipping point? And then, what would you say from your guys that have been doing this for a few years now? What has been their experience?
6: I would say the biggest things is you know we've relied on post emerge for a very long time. They've worked great. We're starting to burn some of those out, and it's some guys just get to the point where they want to try something different. And I can tell you that the the guys that have taken that step, and we utilize it correctly, we put it in the right scenario, and I mean it's always a gamble if you're going to get moisture, but. You have to set yourself up appropriately if you want to do things correctly. So the guys that are doing it, I would say very few and far between will turn back around and say, no, I don't like it.
0: One other question I've got, Drew, uh, and I'm not sure how much of this you get to, to run into, but like you say, you cover a good share of South Dakota, so I'm sure you've got a percentage of your growers using cover crops. Uh, what do you see with cover crops ahead of wheat? Uh, I, I would assume you're getting some guys burning things down, trying to, to break up that green bridge. Uh, do you find it hard to get pre-emerge herbicides to work if cover crops are in the rotation?
6: Are you talking about if they're already like standing and trying to spray it over the top or just in general in the rotation
0: uh just in general
6: you know I don't know if I've noticed a a whole lot in that i mean when when you start adding cover crops to the mixture, I guess you can give your insider opinions on this, but depending on where you get it from, you don't know what's what's all in the mixture, so you could be implementing that. Into your ground as well. However, there's a lot of benefits to cover crops. So that's kind of a tough question, I guess. What's your opinion?
0: Well, I think it's been a nice thing to add into the rotation for a lot of reasons. I really like protecting the soil as much as we can, uh, providing a home for all those soil microbes that are out there. I think you know, the green bridge has been one thing that that we've been a little concerned about with wheat curl mites and disease issues and those types of things. Uh, honestly, I'm a little nervous. Our winter's been so nice that stripe rust may have overwintered further north this year than we're used to, and we might have to deal with right. that a little bit on the Sooner side. Uh, it, it's just anytime you change something in the rotation, it seems like there's a couple other changes that have to happen. Uh, I've talked to growers that say they've faced less weed pressure, but by having the cover crops out there, and and I can certainly see that that you've choked out some of those other species and outcompeted them. Um, so definitely something to think about as as far as your timing of burning that off and and your timing of putting those prees on. Uh, the research done at University of Missouri showed if you had cover crop that was 18 inches or taller, that 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 can get to limit some of that pre-emerge herbicide getting to the soil and it taking more moisture and those types of things, but a lot of times we don't deal with that. We've got shorter cover crop than that for for many of the guys before they're burning her off. Yeah, I would I would agree. Well, Drew, thanks for having or thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And I think uh, when you get into some drier country and some different rotations, uh, it, it's kind of nice to reach out, talk to some folks who are facing this every day, and and helping lots of growers out. So thanks for being on. We really appreciate it. Hope to have you on again soon.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a good day.
0: You bet. Talking about pre-emerge wheat herbicides on today's program, uh, but we're not limited to that. If you've got a question on another agronomic topic, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, and we're going to dive into some of those emails. I've actually been doing some calculation, got some fertilizer questions, guys making choices here heading into the season. I love it because we're doing the same thing on our farm. we got a little bit of stuff we got to get done. Even with the great fall we had uh, last fall, we still had a few of those little details that didn't get done. All right, we'll be back right after this. Are you ready for better
8: efficiency, more productivity, higher yields? Then you're ready for John Deere Precision Technology, which starts with three core pieces. First, a G5 display gives fast views of your work and a window to future technology. A Starfire receiver gives you sub-inch repeatable accuracy without an RTK base station. And a JD-Link modem gives you a live view of your entire operation. Get precise and talk with your
4: John Deere dealer or visit johndeere.com backslash
5: Maverick Corn Herbicide from Valent USA has proven to be a key part of growers' success in fighting problematic weeds. But don't take it from us, take it from farmer Rob Schaefer.
9: Residuals have become a big part of our chemical programs with trying to battle water hemp and also mare's tail is our big one. It's done a real good job of controlling those. You don't have to you know, put a bunch of gallons in your sprayer, cover a lot of acres that way.
5: Visit valent.com backslash maverick to learn more about Maverick Corn Herbicide. Always read and follow label instructions.
3: What's the difference between John, who bought Enlist One herbicide and Instinct Next Gen nitrogen stabilizer, and Tom, who bought Enlist One and Instinct Next Gen and used True Choice? Only about five thousand dollars extra in Tom's pocket. Choose True Choice and get up to ten percent back. It's really as simple as that. Start saving at Corteva.com/save more.
4: On your farm, you spend thousands on fertilizer every season. But how do you know if any nutrient you apply is paying for itself? Build a fertility plan like never before with Verify. With Verify's soil point-to-yield analysis, you can automatically see the connection between your soil test and yield data. To see which fertilizer dollars will make you money and which won't, go to Verify.com to get started today. That's v-r-a-f-y.com.
0: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today talking pre-emerge wheat herbicides and uh, one grower that, that we like to talk to when we talk about wheat uh, and just having success with that crop is our friend Lee He farms a little bit west of us and south of us in South Dakota. How you doing, Lee? I'm doing good. All right, talking about pre-emerge wheat herbicides, I know you use some pre's in in some of the crops that you're doing. Do you use them in all the crops? And and is wheat one of those crops?
7: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, You've got to start that crop out clean, and uh, wheat especially. Uh, You cannot let uh, diseases vector into it. So, uh, you know, it can be as simple as glyphosate, And then uh, stacking on some Sharpen to, uh, you know, a variety of other products out there.
0: Now, you mentioned diseases getting in, and this is something that uh, I guess we haven't done continuous cereals on our farm or had a grass cover crop ahead of small grains. And so we weren't really prepared for this, but our Ag PhD field day ended up being our first test of this when we had winter wheat around the outside of the plots and then we had wheat that was coming up in our field day plots that that turned out to be the wrong move for us and we had some serious disease issues for a couple of years till we got that under control so i know what you're talking about there that uh, disease can easily pass from one grass to the next
7: yeah i I guess the official term that's used is breaking the green bridge and that's what we realize we've got to break that bridge where there's nothing green out there before we plant.
0: Hey, you mentioned Sharpen, and I think about kochia as being one of the tough weeds in our state, and, and there's others as well. That's been a pretty nice product, and, and a guy could use a fairly strong rate in wheat to to hold broadleaves down for a long time.
7: Yeah, it's a great product, and it's, and it's economical to use. Uh, yeah, we love it.
0: Yeah, I, I think for growers who haven't used a pre before, they would disagree with you and say, oh man, that's really expensive because they're used to spending nothing and now they've got to spend, say it's 10 bucks putting Sharpen out there, but boy, it doesn't take many weeds out there to take away more yield than that.
7: Yeah, we've seen the return when when we need to use it. It's, it's just a no-brainer. I,
0: I was thinking about Sharpen too, that uh, I've noticed when guys are coming back post-emerge with a Husky FX or a wide-arm match or whatever the broadleaf choice is, there aren't as many broadleaf weeds. I, I get guys that say, well, I put that pre out and now I don't know if I want to spray post. And I, I wouldn't say you're not going to have to spray post, but at least you're going to get really good coverage because it isn't going to be quite as thick of patches or anything like that, at least in my experience. What have you seen with the post? Has it ever gotten you out of spraying the post completely? or or does it change your timing up on that?
7: A couple of times it has in certain situations depending what the weather is afterwards in the season, but it definitely thins the herd down where you can, you know, you know you're going to end up with a clean field. You're not going to have to worry about something getting out of hand.
0: Now, I know in South Dakota, we're, we're maybe in a little different spot than some places wheat is grown. that we've got other crops we can rotate through like soybeans, for example. And so you can certainly knock out quite a few weeds and soybeans. Hopefully that makes your job easier in wheat. Have you found some rotations tougher than others? Uh, I'm sure you've tried some different things out to, to get to where you are today.
7: Well, one of the things we picked up on about 20 years ago that really opened up our eyes about pre-emerge herbicide pass in wheat was the allopathic effect that we were running into when we were planting into sunflowers and sorghum or sorghum sedan. We could not figure it out. We kept increasing our populations. We were having thin wheat. We were not getting good tillering to happen. And then I found a research article that talked about a naturally secreted enzyme that sunflowers puts out to compete against weeds naturally and it's against grass plants Well, we were planting a grass plant. So we ended up, we started to use Gramoxone as a burndown in our sunflowers. And we were able to lower our populations 25 to 30 percent from what we were trying to increase them to combat that. And ended up increasing our yield at the same time.
0: Interesting. Interesting. You know, And then
7: on uh, sorghum, we ended up we could actually spray Roundup post as it started to green up so we could add... We had two different ways to do it, and it was both low cost.
0: Interesting. Yeah, It's it pays to do a little bit of research. There's no doubt about that. And uh, you talk about some of these different rotations with allelopathic Issues And for for growers that haven't dealt with that, you you have, you maybe just haven't noticed it out in your field. Maybe it hasn't been too bad, but uh, plants do, a lot of plants do naturally kick out uh, natural toxins to try to fight off weed competition. And we've had great herbicides like Callisto, for example, miso, uh, got developed that way because the Callistamone tree was putting out these allelopathic toxins into the soil and trying to control the weeds around that. That tree and now we utilize a synthetic version of that as uh, one of the top herbicides in corn. So yeah, lots of lots of things there and you know you think about uh, weed control and we're talking about the pre-emerge side obviously with the post you can hopefully clean up all the escapes. Um, what do you think, we, there have been some changes in, in wheat herbicides, uh, certainly a lot more starane getting used or that active ingredient in products like Husky FX, uh, wider match and others. Um, are you getting great weed control now? Would you say wheat is one of your better crops for weed control? Uh,
7: yeah, there there's more tools in the toolbox, you know uh, the, the wide R match. We, we love that product. It's been great. Uh, the fields, if, if we start the field out clean and follow with fat. We've had whistle clean fields. Uh, It used to be even cheatgrass, you know, we had to be very aggressive in pre merge and uh, and you were kind of limited into that Olympus family. Well, now we have very early post products, you know, with Clearfield and coaxium. So we've got a lot more tools to work with than we used to have.
0: Yeah, it's really fun, some of these advancements, and I know a lot of guys will say, oh, there aren't enough new herbicides coming, but there have been some changes in wheat. One of them is a growing adoption of these pre-emerge herbicides that we're talking about today, uh, and we're talking with a great grower here, Lee Lubers, who farms in, in South Central, South Dakota. Lee, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on. Thanks for sharing all the information, and good luck to you here the rest of the spring. Hey, anytime. Yeah, it seems like spring. I know it's probably still winter technically, but it, it's felt like spring lately, although we're getting a little bit of snow today. But it was 70 degrees here yesterday, so a lot of folks getting excited about getting small grains in. And to do that, one of the jobs along the way is getting those pre-emerge herbicides out. Honestly, if you did get your pre-emerge herbicide out and, and now you're catching just a little bit of this moisture, it could be a great thing with something like the product Lee was talking about sharpen there to get it activated, get it working. Uh, so our phone lines are open at 844 44 agphd if you want to talk about pre-emerge wheat herbicides, or if you've got an agronomic question, and you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Now I'm going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. We had a call that came in, and, and he didn't want to be on the air, but he just wanted to leave his questions. We'll hit that one next. It's the mailbag! All right, this one comes from Geronimo. Uh, he said, hey guys, got a... Uh, soil that's a 14 CEC, so kind of a medium textured soil. Uh, It's got one and a half, 2% organic matter, so kind of average, maybe a little bit lower than average organic matter. And he said, I want to ask you about my fertility program here. I'm going to put two by two fertilizer on, so two inches down, two inches to the side of the seed. I've got one gallon of ammonium thiosulfate. I've got 12 gallons of 1034O, one quart of zinc, one quart of boron. And that's what I'm doing on corn. But if I switch to soybeans, I'm wondering, will that mix get too hot for the beans? That's his first question. Uh, In a 2 by 2 usually you're okay, especially in a medium textured soil like that. Uh, So I I know guys that are putting more 1034-O out than that. Um, Obviously, the more moisture you get, the more that's going to safen things up for you too. But generally, uh, in a 2 by 2 that's not going to be too much for the crop to handle. Uh, certainly wouldn't want to do that in-furrow, but uh, often a 2x2, two two, that, that helps. And for some of the guys that are doing a 2x2 two two on each side of the row, then, then you're splitting that rate in half, and that, that helps even a little bit more. Uh, his other question is, are there any things you disagree with Neil Kinsey on <laughs> and, uh, and big things that you agree with him on? Honestly, Geronimo, we agree with Neil on just about everything. Uh, we really do. The one thing that we had a little debate with him on was building potassium up in higher pH soils. Uh, and we got Neil to come around on that one a little bit because we were doing things a, a different way than he hadn't looked at. So I'll talk a little bit about that coming up right after this.
3: What's the difference between John, who bought Enlist One Herbicide and Instinct Next Gen Nitrogen Stabilizer, and Tom, who bought Enlist One and Instinct Next Gen and used True Choice? Only about $5,000 extra in Tom's pocket? Choose True Choice and get up to 10% back. It's really as simple as that. Start saving at Corteva.com slash save more. Higher
8: yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher-yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow
4: all label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior strip tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. For the smallest investment with the biggest impact on yield, upgrade your planter with Germinator closing wheels from Farm Shop MFG. To see how we stack up against the competition at a fraction of the cost, call us at 712 520 6051.
0: You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We've reached the Ag PhD mailbag time. We're taking your calls still at 844 44 ag And we're going to dive into some more of these emails as well. Radio at agphd.com. Just before the break, we were tackling a question Geronimo had sent in. And Brian, uh, Geronimo had asked us, uh, was there anything that you and Neil Kinsey didn't see eye to eye on? And I said, well, really, the one big thing was building potassium up in higher pH soils. But Neil's kind of come around on that. We had tried things a little bit differently than he had seen before. And now that was one of the things he'd said uh, over the last few years has been uh, he was really interested to learn.
1: Yeah, it's always fun when you can identify an issue and then you figure out a way to overcome that issue. But yeah, I mean, Neil has been a great mentor to us over the years. He's, he's just fantastic. And we're skeptical on almost anything we hear ever. We want to prove it in the field. Well, we've been able to prove almost everything Neil talked about in the field.
0: So that's been awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been absolutely great. Okay, uh, I got a few questions here. Uh, first one comes from Zach, uh, who says, I got a soil test back from a lab and it's calling for one ton per acre of gypsum to be applied. And the quote for the gypsum came in at 50 cents a pound. So $1,000 an acre to do this. So I'm just curious if I could take pelletized lime and elemental sulfur and accomplish the same thing. And if so, how much of each? Well, in a ton of Gypsum. Let's just say it's a 22% calcium, 17% sulfur. And I know some gypsum is slightly different than that, but 22% calcium would be 440 pounds. If you took elemental sulfur that was a 90% sulfur, it would take 378 pounds. Uh, let's see, 90% three. Oh no, I, maybe I figured that wrong. Uh, yeah. Easy. You got that the up. I think yeah. I multiplied, instead of divided. Divide by, divide
1: by 0. 0.9 There yeah. you go. It's around five hundred
0: pounds. Yeah, around five hundred pounds of elemental sulfur, and that is roughly fifty is cents a pound. Expensive. Yeah, it's roughly yeah. fifty cents a pound. So that's two hundred fifty bucks an acre there. So but yes. Wait, it,
1: what are we trying to accomplish here? Let's let's talk about that first. Well, that's I'm the question, question, Zach. Need for the gypsum at all?
0: Yeah, we we would love to see that soil test to see if that was necessary, because uh, yeah, it's going to cost you a lot per acre to to add. The, the sulfur out there, oh, I, I did that backwards, Brian. The sulfur is 340 pounds. That's why I had 378 pounds of elemental sulfur. It was the pelletized lime that's actually about 35% calcium. So to get uh, 440 pounds of calcium out there, you'd have to put on... 1,200 pounds of pelletized lime, which nobody does. Most guys are just using 300 to 500 pounds. Uh, so still, let's just say you use 300 pounds of pelletized lime at 32 cents a pound. That's 96 bucks an acre. So we're talking about a $350 an acre application of sulfur and calcium. Uh, well, I don't know yeah, how you're going to get wait, a return.
1: Wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, we don't even know what we're, we're talking about here. And so I, I I just don't want him to think, Well, I'll just do this. Like they said, I can spend $350 an acre. Please don't do that. Send us the soil test. Let's take a look and try to figure out what's actually going on here. Because if I'm going to spend $350 an acre on something, it's probably going to be P or K. I don't, I mean, there's no way I'm spending $350 an acre on anything.
0: Yeah, I'm betting, I'm betting there's some bigger fish to fry on that test. So go ahead, Zach, send that test in. We would love to take a look at that. I uh, got this one in from Robert in South Dakota and he said, also gypsum. Uh, I've been looking into possibly using some gypsum for the first time and I'm wondering how does a person go about not overdoing it? Do you have a guide on what's the maximum pounds to use or is there something on the soil test that would guide whether you would use gypsum or not?
1: Well, the first thing is, do you need both calcium and sulfur? If you don't need both calcium and sulfur, then you're wasting your money. So then you go with something different. If all you needed was calcium, you're probably going to do lime. If all you needed was sulfur, you're probably going to do elemental sulfur or something else. But I mean, there there still could be a reason why you might consider gypsum. It's just really hard to say without looking at your soil test. And as far as, How much can you put on in one application? Here again, it really depends on what that soil test looks like. So there are people out there that'll put a ton or two on. But like for me, 500 pounds, 1,000 pounds might be my limit. And quite frankly, if all you were looking for is, hey, I just want a little bit of calcium and a little bit of sulfur, so I have both available this growing season, maybe you only need 100 pounds or 200 pounds. So there's a wide range. And so, I, yeah, I hate to say it, but the answer is it depends.
0: All right, again, Robert, if you want to send in soil tests, we'd be more than happy to take a look. I uh, got this one in from Anderson who said, I'm located in far south Alabama, got a very low CEC, around three, and everything is dry land. So I've got a few questions for you. First of all, if I recall correctly, I've heard Brian say not to use meso In sandy, low CEC soils. Is that accurate or was it something else?
1: It was metribuzin rather than meso. Mesotrione, I don't, I mean, you can certainly use that in sand. Not a problem. But metribuzin, that's the one you'd have to avoid.
0: Okay, so that would be for soybeans, Anderson. Uh, Okay, Uh, then the next one, he said, what corn herbicide program should we be using? Usually we're burning down with 2,4-D and Roundup. Then we're coming back with Roundup, Atrazine, and a Group 15, often Zidua. Last year we added Halex-GT, uh, which has meso in it, along with atrazine to heat it up and everything seemed to be fine other than a few small overlap spots. I did see some bleaching in those spots, but otherwise weed control was good. My weeds are morning glory, wild cucumber, and just grass in general.
1: Okay, so first of all, I don't like 2,4-D as a down. Switch to dicamba instead. Too many guys have hurt too much corn with 2,4-D over the years. Just switch that to dicamba. It'll be... Slightly better weed control, a little more residual, but it'll be fairly similar to perform, performance-wise, just better crop safety in your burn down. Post-emerge, if that morning glory starts getting away from you, you could always go status. It costs quite a bit more money than the program you're currently running, so I'd keep running with the current program, but I'm just saying HPPDs and what you've got in there, not the greatest on morning glory. Status would definitely be better, if needed.
0: Okay. And then a fertilizer question. He says, all right, guys, we put on urea, AMS, and potash on our winter grazing. We had an 80% chance of rain, and guess what? We missed it. <laughs> our low temps are around 40, our high temps are around 65. I'm worried I'm going to lose the urea. Is there a way to know how much we have lost, if we're going to lose some to volatilization, or is there anything else we can do? Mm, there's... How you're going to know is really
1: challenging. I mean, after a week or two, after you get rain, you could go out there and soil test. That would be probably the best way to know. But yeah, I mean, within a day or two, you're going to start losing that urea unless you have rain. So sorry to hear that. It stinks. But I mean, that kind of stuff happens from time to time. Oh, in the future, what you could do is get uh, stabilized nitrogen or or. Stabilize the urea you're getting, or do a controlled release nitrogen or something if you wanted a little more safety and security. But otherwise, if it was me knowing how often it rains down there, I'd just try to time it out. But maybe next time, instead of a 70 or 80% chance, hopefully they tell you it's like a 100% chance, and then you'll actually get that rain.
0: All right. I get this one from IG. Which fertilizer is better for acidic soil, MAP or DAP, or does it really make a big difference? No,
1: you could use either one. Uh, we just like MAP in the alkaline soils because it is a little bit lower pH, but mainly because DAP, when it's breaking down, it could potentially hurt your seed if you had a lot of it close to the seed. So broadcast, I'm not too worried about DAP in high pH soils. But if I had it anywhere close to the seed, then I, I would probably run with MAP in high pH soils. But yeah, low pH soils, doesn't really matter.
0: Got about 30 seconds here. Waylon just asks about anhydrous ammonia. Do you worry about that killing living organisms in the soil like earthworms and microbes? If so, to what extent?
1: Well, it's going to kill a few things, but it's short-lived. So I just say, I don't really have a big issue with it. The soil is vast and it will come back fairly quickly. Do I love it? No, but it's not a bad option, especially if it's lots
0: cheaper. All right. Thanks for the question, Waylon. Yeah, we, we do hear a lot about anhydrous ammonia as an alternative. And in many areas, it's just not available for us. We had to go a long ways to find anhydrous. We've been utilizing other forms of N now for a number of years. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.